We've been uh, thinking together over the last few months about what it means to be the family of God. And in the last three weeks, including this week, how to see, see, I'm saying see, I'm not saying make your place in the family. How to recognize your particular place in the people of God, in the body of Christ, in the church, in the family that is the church. And we've uh, noticed three things about your place. This comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 6. There are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries or, or services, the same Lord. Varieties of effects, works, results, but the same God who works all things in every one. So we've defined a person's place in the body of Christ in those three terms, who you are, what you do, and what God does with who you are and what you do. See, it's God who works. And one of the things that's very important to keep in mind is it is God who is doing the church, not the church. In the church, we're often trying to take over for God because we think we have some vision or we think we have some particular expertise or we think we know and see what needs doing. And sometimes we forget that the church is the work of God. Jesus said to Peter, recognizing his faith, on this rock, you and the apostles will build my church. That's not what he said, is it? He didn't say, on this rock, on the faith that you demonstrate now, Peter, when you recognize my identity, the son of the living God, on that rock, you will build the church. No. On this rock, I will build my church. The church is a work of God, not of us. And what we want to see this morning is that the church is a work of God in which he invites our participation. I know I've used this example before, but when I was a kid, my father... Uh, because he didn't have the money to pay somebody else to do it, did all the repair work on all the cars. He had five children. At one time, I think he had five cars. And he used to do all the work. It seemed like every Saturday, he was fixing a car. 
And sometimes he would invite us to participate. Well, let's say command rather than invite. But you know, when I would help my dad fix cars, honestly, I think that was more about my dad teaching me something than it was about getting the car fixed. Because I did not fix the car. I participated when my father fixed the car. In the exact same, so, you know, I, he would say, hand me that screwdriver. Not that one, that one. Or I need this or that wrench, or this or that. So I stood around the car, he laid on this roller thing under the car, he did the work, I participated. In a very real sense, what I was doing was watching him. And what we are doing here this morning is watching our Father work. Do you have eyes to see? He's working in each of us, and he's working in the us of us. Working to build the body, the family. God is doing his work in the body of Christ. He invites each of us. He invites us as a local community of the body of Christ to participate with him. So we've noticed three things. We've noticed one important factor in your identity in this body, in this family. One important thing is who God has made you to be, who he made you to be the day you were conceived, and who he made you to be the day you were born again. Both your natural gifts, talents, even your physicality, your, your, your nature of God made you. The scripture says he handcrafted you in your mother's womb. He made you a certain way. And he gives you, that person, to the body of Christ, a gift. And when you were born again, he remade you. He put his spirit in you, and the spirit has granted to you certain particular graces alongside the amazing grace that you're born again at all. Alongside of that, he's given you particular graces, gifts, apparently special talents, abilities. And the scripture says right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, those are for the common good. In other words, he didn't give them to you alone. He gave them to you to give them to us. You see, God is into the giving business and he wants his people to be in the giving business. We simply reflect what he's done. So when I exercise my gift 
or gifts or whatever else, I, my skills, whatever I can do in service in the body of Christ, I'm giving what I've been given and I'm bearing the image of our giving God, our gracious God. And that comes to the second thing, what you do is a part of your identity. And we've been talking about simple, joyful service. Just do whatever you like to do. Do it in service in the body. There's a, there's a fellowship in serving together. Fellowship is sharing whatever God has given you, you give. It's that simple. Some service in the body needs to be organized and orchestrated, and that's so we have elders who, who uh, literally reflect the lordship of Christ in the body of Christ, and they orchestrate and organize when orchestration and organization is needed, and not otherwise. Because we have a constant temptation to live by command instead of by identity. And the gospel says you begin with the new creation God has made you to be in Christ. The assurance of God's grace in your heart, the spirit of God indwelling your person, you begin from salvation, you don't work toward it. You work from it. You begin in grace always, and your service in the body of Christ is therefore, can be joyful, even when it involves great suffering. And it sometimes does. Even when it involves great suffering, your service can be joyful because it, because it is from the position of in Christ, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. What could make me happier than to be conformed to the likeness and image of Christ himself? You know, in the end, we will find out that a lot of what we did is, has been a waste of time. because it was done from me and not in him. In him, I act. In him, I serve. If I just serve, who wants to know what I can do? Who wants to see what God will do in me and by me? Whole nother thing. And when we think about the church and who we are as a body of Christ in this community, who wants to know what we could get together and put our noses to the grindstone, our shoulder to the wheel? I don't know what these sayings mean, but... But, you know, what we can accomplish through our great effort and striving and agonizing, arguing, fighting, getting our way ahead in this world. Who wants to see that? 
you know, that might produce some good things. But the thing that matters is whether God can be seen in us. And if all we do is what we do, God is unnecessary. Christ doesn't need to be here if if this is just a club. Why do we bother? But if this is the spirit-filled work of God, then God will be visible in what we do. It will be clear that it is him doing it and not us. That's what I want to see here. That's what I expect to see here. As God's people experience his grace and come together to rejoice in his love and serve together to proclaim the good news of salvation in Christ in the world around us. Well, there's two things. Who you are, who you are in Christ, and what you do, how you serve. And this doesn't put any weight on you Serve in whatever way you enjoy serving. Engage, participate in the body. And that leads us to the third thing. There are varieties of effects, results, works, but the same God who works all things in every one. What God does with who you are and what you do, with who we are and what we do, What is God doing here? I just want to take a minute and review that. Okay, it'll be more than just a minute. The church can very easily get distracted. We we love to think up things to do. What is it that God is doing? That's important. Because whatever it is that God is doing is the thing and, you know, we maybe should watch. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, we read this. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. We used to regard Christ according to the flesh, but not anymore. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That is one of the best sentences in the whole Bible. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This is supposed to remind us of Adam. First creation. Christ, new creation. There's a reboot of the soul in Christ. The thing Adam lost is restored in Christ. (laughs) If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. 
The new creation is not you reinventing yourself. It is from God who, through Christ, here's how he does it, reconciled us to himself and gave us the service of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What's God's purpose in the church? It is the reconciliation of humanity to God in Christ, the new Adam. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What's God doing in the church? He is restoring his righteousness in the family of humanity. That is what he's doing. In the new family, the new creation in Christ, the new Adam. He is reconciling people to himself in Christ by the Spirit through the ministry of the gospel in the body of Christ for his glory and our good. You know, this has been his purpose from the very, very, very beginning. He said it in the garden when he was announcing his intention to make people. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created Adam said, so God created man in his likeness according to his image. He created them male and female. He created them and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. What was he making? Not a man, but a family. A family. Not a lot of families, a family. One family, the family of God, the children of Adam who are to take, who are to bear God's own character into the whole wide world and glorify God by being the exhibit of his nature in the creation. His purpose in humanity is one family that reflects the glory of God. But there was a collapse. This is what we're going to talk about on Saturday. There was a collapse. Adam decided to depart from God. That's what happened. 
You still have to come on Saturday. Adam got a divorce from God. Adam decided to rely on his own understanding and that of his wife and his own vision of the world and he went on his own. That is the very nature of sin. Departure from God. Well, the rest of us were just born into that alienation. We alienated ourselves from God. Well, alienation from God has another name. Dead. God said, the day you eat of it, you'll surely die. And the day he ate of it, he surely died. And he died the rest of us at the same time. So we are alienated from God and disabled and sentenced to death. Also, by the way, this caused the immediate effect of alienating us from each other. This is why we have nations not a nation. Why we have families, not a family. Why I distrust someone just because they're from another culture or have a different color of skin. It's, it, it's insanity, it's ridiculous and wrong, and yet it is in us. This is what happened when God confused everyone's languages. Oh, now I can't talk to you, so now uh, let's have a war. Alienation spread. Alienation can exist between members of the same family. Uh, married people can come to the point where they can't stand to be in the same room together. It's the disease. The main problem is we're alienated from God and because we're alienated from God, we can't connect like God made us to connect. So, What? What's God doing? Well, God, well, intervenes. God intervenes. He shows up and he says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. One father. Through that nation, I'll bless all the nations. In fact, he's going to invite anyone and everyone from any nation, any family, into the one family. That's God's plan, a restored family of God. And the whole Old Testament is God's march from that promise to Abraham to the cross of Jesus Christ. God's relentless pursuit of that goal. And so you see his fulfillment in Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That whole passage we just read about Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life, about God giving us to his son, and his son never rejecting any of those gifts, always keeping everything the Father gives him. Who's doing this? God, Father, Son, Spirit, that's who's doing it. And so we have the cross of Christ. And by the purchase of his blood, by his sacrifice for my sin, God makes a way for God, as Romans 3 puts it, to be just and the justifier of the one who puts his faith in Christ. God grants me the righteousness of his eternal son because of the cross. And so I have a righteousness that isn't even mine. I'm justified and God remains just. If God just ignored sin, you couldn't call God just. Most people in the world today think God's just kind of a nice guy and he lets things slide. He does not let one single thing slide. Not one. I don't know what your tiniest sin is. You probably don't know either. But your tiniest, tiniest sin would alienate you from God forever. Because he is holy and righteous and cannot tolerate the slightest deviation except by the cross. God's fulfillment of his goal in restoring the family of humanity in righteousness and reconciling us to himself in Christ was accomplished at the cross. And also, you might recall, way back when we started, we noticed the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, into the church. This is the act by which God actually formed the body of Christ, the church, the outpouring of the Spirit. And you see, the scripture we read says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. How does the Father do that? By the ministry, the service of the Holy Spirit in the person. For by grace you have been saved. And the Spirit opens your eyes, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, opens your eyes so that you see Christ for real. You see who he really is. You recognize the cross and you put your faith in it, in him, because the Spirit gives you life. This is what John chapter 3 is about. Born of the Spirit, born again, born of the Spirit to believe in Christ.
So that's something God does, not something you did. And in imparting the Spirit, he imparts faith. He imparts hope. He imparts the love of God. Romans 5 says, the Spirit of God pours out the love of God in our hearts because of the demonstrated love of God on the cross. So I now have faith, hope, and love. These are things I can share. And God, in imparting the Spirit, has created the new family, the alive, righteous family in Christ. And God is working to grow us in conformity to the image of his Son. Romans 8, 28. Here's a famous verse. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for their good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Well, this begs the question, what's his purpose? And Paul tells us in the next verse, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. He determined in advance that he would do this to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be, that is, Jesus might be, the firstborn, that's like a family word, the firstborn among many brothers. God is working to grow us in conformity to the image of his son. We read about this in Ephesians chapter 4, where God is given people to the church for the equipping of the saints, for the service in the body, for the building up of the body, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, to the stature of the mature one man, Christ. God is making us the body of Christ. And he will complete this work. He will complete this work. Ultimately, he will complete this work in our resurrection when Jesus returns. Philippians 1, Paul writes, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, that's a plural you, in you, church, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. In 1 John chapter 3, see what kind of love the Father's given to us that we should be called children of God. What? God's adopting beggars. See what kind of love the Father's given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world doesn't know us is that it doesn't know Him. We're in the other family now. A family the world has no vision to see. To the world, we are a club. 
not the spirit-filled work of the God of all ages. We're just a club that maybe does some good works, but mostly just rattles on about religious nonsense. They don't see this. See what kind of love the Father's given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is it didn't know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be hasn't yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we'll see Him as He is. This work of Recreating the image of God in man (laughs) will be complete on that day. When you see Jesus for real, like more clearly, not through the glass, like the dark glass like we see him now. When you see him in that face-to-face way, you know what will happen to you? You will go, oh, that's what will happen. You'll go, oh, well, that's what I've always wanted. And now I cannot help myself imitating Christ. Today you're confused by the flesh, you're every which way. When you have a clear vision of Christ, your devotion will become pure. And you will not be able to help yourself. You will become the Christ-like version of you. And even now, this scripture says, everyone who has this kind of hope in Christ purifies himself. That's why one of the reasons we get together every Sunday and we focus our attention on Christ. We focus our attention on Christ because you know what happens? when a spirit-indwelled person sees Christ, Christ becomes appealing. And I go, oh, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to be like. That's what I want. That's what I need to be. And so we are renewed in our obedience and in our conformity to the image of His Son. And we're, we're in the upward spiral where God shows his love for us and we show our love for him and we do that in obedience to Christ and we build, we are built up in this relationship. This is the thing the Father's doing. This is what you can expect him to do with you and whatever you do in simple, joyful service in the body. Here's a suggestion. Keep your eyes open. You know, what I've discovered in my own life is I do a bunch of stuff and I know what I did and then I forget to see if God does anything with it. You ever do that? Do you ever think the thing you did is like the end of the story? That's all? Or the thing we do together, 
Last Saturday, there was this kids event here. Kids here just having a good time. Enjoying the company of the body of Christ. I wonder what God was up to. He was up to something. Something changed that day when people who weren't even really paying careful attention to much, I'm sorry, I don't mean to insult anyone, but I'm just talking about how we are. The, they came and they just did a joyful service. God is reconciling people to himself, giving them new life in Christ because of that service. Miracles are happening where you can't see them in somebody's heart, some kid's heart, who saw some exhibit of the love of Christ. And if the Spirit works, <laughs> God will do these things. And He will allow your participation. If you want to, you can be there handing him the screwdriver. Would you rather be anywhere else than in a position to observe the miraculous work of God in reconciling people to himself? I can't imagine anything better. What else am I wasting my time on? We're given the gift of the opportunity to participate. Paul wrote in Philippians 1, God, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind. A bunch of people with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's what God's doing here. Not frightened in anything by your opponents. Here's, here's how we should feel about our opponents. Oh, those poor things. Oh, if they only knew. If they only knew. If someone is our enemy in the body of Christ... They have no idea what they're doing. And the response is one of pity and compassion. Even in the face of persecution and uh, suffering. <laughs> I think it might be time to wrap this up. Here's how Paul concludes that section in Ephesians 1. It has been granted to you, granted, given, a grace. It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer 
for his sake. Suffering for the sake of Christ is a gift, a joy. Uh, Wow, I can't believe I get in on that. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. God's doing his work in the body of Christ. His reconciling work. His love-giving, spirit-pouring work. Do you want in on it? How will you how will you get in on it? Well, if you're a born again person, you are in on it. And you can participate to your heart's delight. This is why I keep saying, where do you start? Engage in the fellowship of the body in whatever way you enjoy engaging. Any old way. Whatever you do. You know, I came this morning with a list. It's a list of ministry areas in this church that we made as a group of elders several years ago. Some of these things we do. Some of these things we don't do because no one does them. See if anything rings your bell. You can serve children, teaching, clubs, vacation Bible school, camp, events. This is something we do. There's a group of people who already do this. You could be one of those people. We have a youth group. Uh, We used to have a youth Sunday school class. You know why we don't have a youth Sunday school class? Nobody's doing it. Uh, We have the Friday night Wi-Fi youth group meeting. We could do maybe mission projects, service projects. Uh, We have a group of women that meets. There's a group of women that serve the group of women that meets. Hmm. Uh, We have a men's breakfast this Saturday. One of the things we're going to do at the men's breakfast is we're going to have a sign-up sign up. We used to have a guy that cooked it every time. Apparently God wants to spread the wealth because he moved that guy away. So now we're going to have a sign up. You can sign up to cook the men's breakfast. You could sign up to teach a class. Here's a whole area, tourist contact and development. Some of you here are tourists. We, somebody could develop a ministry of reaching out to tourists and inviting them to church, serving them in some way. It's just a thing. We have a worship service. We have musicians. We have a speaker. We have a person leading the service. We have things. Oh, and by the way, there's also uh, people who serve in preparing the communion. I'm sorry, I should say there is a person that serves in preparing the communion. People serve in taking the offering. People serve in handing out the name tags and making new ones and getting this and that and greeting people at the door. There's all kinds of worship service support. There's sound guys. There's projector guys. There's 
Somebody makes the bulletin. Somebody makes the coffee and the cookies. I mean, do you hear the ridiculous variety that's in this list? I'm only halfway down the list. We could do adult discipleship. We have home fellowship groups. People lead those. Somebody writes a lesson for those. Doesn't have to be me. Uh, we do teacher development. We could do other kinds of ministry training. We could make our own curriculum for various things. There's a facility here that has to be managed, operated. Somebody's supposed to, has to manage the building project and fix stuff around here and all that. Very hands-on, practical. There's all kinds of administrative stuff. Somebody does the books. Somebody sends the money when we owe somebody some money. Uh, somebody uh, does donor development. Somebody does fundraising projects, visitor tracking, membership development. Then there's a whole area of personal care. You could visit someone in the hospital you could visit someone in the hospital who's not even a member of our church. You could do counseling. You could help with the food boxes. You could care for poor people in various ways. You could recognize someone's birthday or anniversary. Lots of stuff. Then there's all these special events we do. There's a Christmas concert. There's... Uh, Easter service, there's a uh, Mother's and Father's Day, there's potlucks and picnics, lots of stuff. Here's the point. You might have something you can do that isn't on my list in service to the body, or any one of these things might appeal to you. Uh, so, the question is, How will you serve? When you serve, God will do stuff. I mean, this is a bunch of stuff. It's just stuff. I mean, really. Putting together a meal is just a thing to do. But what matters is what's God going to show up and do while we're eating together. In a casual conversation between two people, when someone says, oh, you know, that happened to me one day, and here's how the Lord sorted it out in my life. That is the thing that counts. The fellowship, things happen that God does when we simply enjoy service together. I'm expecting something to happen here in this church. I'm like, it's looking to me like things are getting ready to happen in this church and from this church. And I'm excited to be here to see what God does. Father, we thank you for this blessing of the cross of Christ, the love you've shown to us in Christ by your Spirit. Lord, as we come to the table this morning, we recognize it as a Eucharist, a thanksgiving. Because, Lord, it, it represents us receiving things from you, not getting things from you.
not earning anything, but just coming to the table and enjoying the meal. We thank you for the body and the blood of Christ, the new covenant, the new family, the new creation that you are making. In Jesus' name, amen.